0: You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. I want to turn to the scriptures, uh, to Romans chapter 5. And uh, these are words that, uh, these are among the most powerful words that the Apostle Paul ever wrote about hope. Listen to this from Romans chapter 5. Now that we've been put right with God through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He has brought us by faith into this experience of God's grace in which we now live. And so we boast of the hope we have of sharing God's glory. We also boast of our troubles because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance brings God's approval. And his approval creates hope. This hope does not disappoint us. Wow, you could spend a whole month on that one little phrase this hope does not disappoint us for God has poured out his love into our hearts by means of the Holy Spirit who is God's gift to us a word of prayer Father God we thank you for the privilege of opening your word we thank you that we are never disappointed either with hope or with the process of opening your word and trying to delve into its treasures Father tonight in these remaining moments of the service may there be a strong message for each and every person. A message that will take them into this coming week with a sense of hope, a sense of renewal, a sense of Christmas joy as never before. We believe it's possible because we're asking this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Hey guys, here's three scenarios for you. Here's a young woman and she's really looking forward to the, to the, the date with her boyfriend this particular Saturday night. This is their second Christmas together. And she's just wondering if maybe, yes maybe, he's going to pop the question. Her anticipation is heightened because during the week she saw him put a a little leather box in his pocket and could be the one. Second scenario. Here's a student, a recent graduate of university, and uh, he's submitting his application for his dream job. He's not a believer, but as he presses send instinctively, he looks heavenward and goes, (laughs) really, really... Wanting this, this particular job. Third scenario is, uh, is the, uh, the waiting room of a, a medical specialist. And uh, here's a, a middle-aged married couple sitting in that waiting room. And all they can hear is the tick, tick, tick of the clock. It's that quiet as they sit with hands held together. And it's a pretty sombre moment because they're wondering. Within a few moments, they'll find out the results of some tests that have been taken on the husband, to see if he needs further radical surgery, what do these three things have in common? these three scenarios? Of course, the common link the common link of course is is hope. The young lady is hoping, hoping that this will be the, the time when when her boyfriend will, 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 will propose to her. What she doesn't realise, by the way, is that the little leather box, that's cufflinks for his father for Christmas, so that's a disappointment. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's still, there's a, there's a hope there that maybe this will be the, the time. Of course, the, the student is hoping that uh, he's going to get that job, and the, the middle-aged couple are hoping, really hoping, that these results are going to be okay. Guys, let's face it. Hope is a word that figures prominently in our vocab. I mean, we use it. All the time. You know, hope the weather's going to be fine for the picnic. Hope the traffic's not going to be too bad for the drive up north. Hope there's enough money in my account to cover this transaction. Is that ringing any bells at this time of the year? Um, I, hope you know, I hope you know what doesn't look too big in these jeans. You know, like that's, it's, it's a sort of a word that comes that we use frequently, maybe many, many times every day, every, every week. And the meaning is clear. Hope in these circumstances is directly related to the outcome we expect, the way we want to see things turn out. Uh, hope is a word that uh, features prominently at Christmas. I mentioned this a little bit earlier. You know, On the Christmas cards, I checked ours. Hope is there with quite a few of them. saw a big banner yesterday in a shopping centre, hope. Uh, it might be a little, a little word hanging on your Christmas tree. And, and why wouldn't we feature this word at this time of the year? It, it highlights the, the fact of Jesus, you know, the hope of the world the saviour of the nations. Hope is a, it's a key word in, in the Christmas celebration. But you know, guys, there are very few words in our language where the common meaning is so far removed from the biblical and from the Christian meaning. I mean, the common usage of hope can be very light, very superficial as people glibly talk about what they're hoping for with very little thought given to the uh, the implications or the cost of what it is they desire. But when the Bible talks about hope, and it does a lot, when Christians talk about hope, it evokes a depth and a richness of meaning that is at the very heart of the Christian gospel. This four-letter word, it, it, it just sums it all up beautifully. Throughout the Old Testament, writer after writer refers to the hope which is available in God. And almost always, their writings are in the context of some sort of personal or national crisis. And the psalmists are especially prolific in their references to hope. And many of these guys wrote against the backdrop of, of personal or national crises. For instance, Psalm 33, verse 18 The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope, or the, rather, those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. And the final one, that very long psalm, Psalm 119. Verse 114 You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. So, in these and in so many other Old Testament references to hope, it's far more than some kind of vague wishful thinking. Hope in these situations is a conscious resolve, it's a decision, a decision of the will to put one's life. To entrust one's whole being into the hands of God, knowing that He will guide, He will strengthen, ultimately, He will save. That's what our first song talked about tonight. In the writings of the New Testament, in the period following the Christ event, hope takes on an added dimension and largely revolves around the person of Jesus Christ Himself, who is seen, described, portrayed as the reason for our hope, as the source of our hope. And Paul is one writer who contributes very strongly to the, 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 the huge list of references to hope in the New Testament. And the book of Romans is one of his strongest uh, books of all the books he wrote, one of the strongest when it comes to hope. And verse, uh, or rather Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 5, read earlier. Look at this. We also boast of our troubles because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance brings God's approval and his approval creates hope. And this hope does not disappoint us. Now, Paul is not boasting about his troubles out of some kind of weird, you know, persecution complex. You know, the kind of person who always has to have a drama, always has to have a crisis in their life, it's the only way they can survive emotionally. That's not what he's talking about. It's more a reference to his confidence, his his certainty um, despite his problems. That's what this means. And that's the whole point. His hope and ours. Is not born out of everything going as planned, everything turning out exactly as we want it to turn out. Rather, it's a hope born out of struggle, born out of hardship. And here's the main point of difference between hope as it's used so often in popular culture and hope as it's described in the Scriptures. Watch this. Our hope in Christ is not the same as optimism. It is not the conviction that things will necessarily turn out well. But it's the certainty that we will be victorious regardless of how things turn out. That's the hope we're talking about tonight. That's the hope we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus Christ came into a politically and socially troubled world. His arrival caused no end of distress among parents at that time in that province with the edict from Pharaoh that all children under two should be killed. Throughout his ministry, Jesus experienced all manner of opposition and criticism and ultimately, of course, betrayed, hung on a cross. And yet he is the personification of hope. Jesus Christ is the personification of hope because hope is not the conviction that things will turn out well. Hope is the certainty we will be victorious regardless of how things turn out. And victorious Jesus Christ was. Raised to life on the third day. Living today through the Holy Spirit, through the lives and the, and the witness of his people, the church. And that resurrection represents the ultimate victory for you and me. Because we share in it. We share in his resurrection. It's the belief that death is not the end, but merely the beginning. Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they be dead, yet shall they live. And whosoever lives... And believes in me will never die. That's our eventual destination, eternity, with Him. Meantime, we journey through this life as agents of love, hope, justice, peace. We journey as the church of Jesus Christ. And hope burns brightly, even when circumstances are difficult and adverse. Uh, Guys, I can think of a million ways to illustrate this reality of hope, but let me give you several. As we all know, the level of poverty and deprivation in most developing nations is enough to just rip your heart right out. But then into a situation like like Madagascar comes a group of young adults from a church in Sydney called Northside. And they partner with people, Christians, who are already there working on the ground. And in a a concentrated period, these, these young people from Sydney serve and work and share and get to know these people And a little bit of hope is injected into an otherwise very sad and sorry situation. We did it a few years ago, about six years ago, on a much larger scale, went to Uganda. And today there, every, every week, hundreds and hundreds of children benefit from a structure that was erected by 35 Northsiders. We do it every month, every week in the various ways we serve at Hope Street as our Uh, People of different ages go into this situation at Glebe and also uh, down there at in, for various uh, ministries. Um, These circumstances haven't changed. The circumstances in these various situations of need haven't radically changed. But into these circumstances has come light, life, love and hope in a concentrated way, even if just for a little bit of time. Circumstances don't necessarily change, but into those circumstances comes, comes hope. And as we reflect on the events of that first Christmas, we can see how those who desperately need hope can find it in the experiences of the, of the key players of that first Christmas. Every homeless person in need of refuge for the night can identify with Mary and Joseph as they sought refuge for the night in Bethlehem. Every teenage girl who falls pregnant and feels alone and lost and misunderstood can identify with Mary and her dismay, albeit for a short time at the beginning of her journey. Every small business person who's trying to reconcile commercial realities with with moral imperatives discovers a little bit of hope as he identifies with the Bethlehem innkeeper who was in all sorts of strife trying to accommodate people who needed his, his facility. The Bible says of Jesus, the common people heard him gladly, enthusiastically. Not necessarily, well, why, did, why did they hear him enthousi- uh, gladly? Because he gave them hope. Looking at the ministry of Jesus, I think that was the defining aspect of his ministry that made him so unique. He gave these common people hope, not necessarily the promise of a dramatic change of circumstances not necessarily, but the promise that they would be victorious in rising above their circumstances. In Romans 12, verse 12, Paul says, Let your hope keep you joyful. Be patient in your troubles. Pray at all times. Now, that's further evidence if we needed it, if we needed it. It's further evidence that that the reality of the hope that Paul had in Christ was not the absence of trouble. But it was joy, patience, victory in the midst of trouble. Guys, let me put it this way. If there's one component to the Christian faith which speaks to me, which energizes me, which really excites me, which really motivates me in my journey with Christ, it would be this this component of hope. It's that deep-seated, and I'm at a stage of life where I've proved this so many times, it's that deep-seated belief that while certain things that happen to me can't easily be solved, nothing can happen to me that can't be in his strength managed. Managed. I've proved that so many times in pastoral ministry and in my own personal journey. My hope in Christ also, also gives me the absolute certainty that my death, whenever that takes place, will not be the end of the road. It'll be a bend in the road. And right on that bend will be a sign that says, this way to eternity with Jesus Christ. I mean, this is real. I've seen the difference so many times with people who can say that, for whom that is their hope. I've seen the way people pass over. I've seen many people die. Been there when they've actually died. I've seen the difference that that sort of hope makes for somebody who knows that, believes that, for whom that hope is an integral part of who they are—not just something they read on a page or something they sing from a screen. Where it's absolutely real and vital as part of their experience. You know, on the surface, it might appear, it could appear that speaking about hope on a weekend when once again we've been stunned and shocked almost to the point of our endurance and our ability to handle it with yet another massacre from the United States. Um, you could think, ooh, not the weekend to be talking about hope. Where's your hope there, Graham? You know, what's the message of hope we're going to get out of that disaster? It's a fair enough question, isn't it? Well, let me give you a preview. Let me give you a little preview of what will happen to some people, not all, but to some people whose lives have been shattered by the tragic events we're seeing unfolding in the United States. And to give you this preview, I need to mention a man whom I've mentioned from this platform before. His name is Keith Moulton, M-O-U-L-T-O-N, Keith Moulton. Keith Moulton was uh, a man who took his wife down to Tasmania uh, to live in uh, the tranquil area called Port Arthur. And uh, he, he was a retired Baptist minister and uh, in his retirement, Keith developed a great interest in some of the history of Port Arthur. And he, he started to write up some of the history, particularly from a religious point of view. His daughter, Nanette, also moved to uh, Tasmania with her husband and their two little daughters. And, and she worked, actually worked for the, the Port Arthur uh, prison, uh, the, the, the remains of the prison. Um, she worked, uh, of all things, as a, a tour guide specialising in ghost tours. Uh, and that was her That was her work. Well, there they were as a family there in in Port Arthur. On uh, April 28, 1996, uh, Nanette found herself on a roadway near Port Arthur with her two little daughters, Alana, six, and Madeline, three. She had heard reports that something shocking was happening in Port Arthur. And and it was just a terrible afternoon. There were sketchy reports and she found herself on a roadway and she saw a vehicle coming toward her and she said to her daughters, we'll get this person to take us to safety. It was a Volvo station wagon. In probably the worst case of wrong place, wrong time, the man driving that Volvo station wagon was Martin Bryant. And the court records tell us that within seconds of that meeting, that mother and her three-year-old had been shot to death. The little six-year-old had tried to escape, and Martin Bryant had actually stalked her and shot her, according to the court records, more than once. That, for those who were very young at the time, or maybe not even around at the time, was what we um, sadly know as the Port Arthur Massacre, when 35 people died and 25 people were seriously wounded. Now, back to Keith Moulton. He's the father. He's the grandfather. He's a Christian. He knows he's got to dig really deep into his hope in Christ to get through this. You know what he did? He, he continued to live in Port Arthur, continued his work at the at the, uh, the old ruins. He used to drive past the point where his daughter and two grandchildren were shot every day for seven years. Our local church in Nubina, the, the Nubina Church of Christ, the nearest church to Port Arthur, After six months when their existing minister had to step down because of the pressure, couldn't take any longer. They said, Keith, you're a Baptist minister. Would you minister for us? He said, okay, okay, I'll give you six months. That's all. I'm only coming out of retirement for six months. He ministered in that community for six years, going to the people who were affected in a similar way to how he was affected. He knew that his hope in Christ had to get him through this. And here's the point I'm coming to. In an ABC interview in 2006, 10 years later, with, of all people, Maxine McHugh, um, who was still a journalist with the ABC at that time, she was asking him about his experience, about his journey, and this is what he said. This is a quote from this particular TV interview. When I got to a stage of talking to myself, which he says jokingly, which is a bad sign, (laughs) I said, Keith, are you prepared to forgive him? Martin Bryant, if he came to the door and said, would you forgive me? And then he said, one day, I said, yes, I could. Now, friends, can you imagine how long it would have taken to get to that one day? One day, I said, yes, I could. And it was as though a weight lifted off my shoulders. I don't carry that burden like many do of being angry and bitter. And if you know anybody who lives with permanent anger and bitterness, for whatever reason, you'll know there is no hope there. (laughs) That just drains you of hope. That just robs you of hope. And if that is you tonight, then you really need this message. You need this Jesus of whom we're speaking. How's that? I don't carry that burden like many do of being angry and bitter. Now, look, guys, I don't know how I would, I'm a grandfather, I don't know how I would have responded to that. But that's one grandfather's story, one father's story. And he puts it down to his hope and his belief and his commitment to Jesus Christ. Let me give you one last verse. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 6. We who have found safety with him are greatly encouraged to hold firmly to the hope placed before us. We have this hope as an anchor for our lives. What is an anchor? An anchor is something that holds something fast, immovable, when the storm hits. It did for Keith Moulton in an incredible way. It does for people in this church every day, every week. It can do it for you.